Hey everybody, welcome to Ask a Catholic Dude here on Anchor FM or iTunes or Apple Music or whatever listening apparatus you may be using to listen to the show. Uh, I am that Catholic Dude, name is Nick, and we've got some more interviews coming up for you guys. Um, I'm still, of course, taking any questions you guys might have on the faith, scripture, tradition, church, whatever have you, um, but as I mentioned in some of my previous podcasts, episodes, I don't even know what the term really is anymore. <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's all become a little little nebulous and stuff. But in my last recording, I had mentioned that I got to interview several people at the um, 2018 Focus Conference. That's the Fellowship of Catholic University Students for their Student Leadership Summit. It was in Chicago this, uh, this past week. And uh, as I mentioned, it was a wonderful, wonderful time. Lots of great people around just man i mean catholic disneyland that's that's what it felt like i felt like i was in the happiest place in the world it was way happier than that place where where mickey mouse lives because of course you know we had encounters with our lord jesus especially substantially in the eucharist each day and just lots of catholic for lack of a better term celebrities you know people that are that are seen in Catholic media quite a bit now. And one of those people I got to interview was Sister Bethany Madonna of the Sisters of Life. She was just a a great person to talk to. She's a young nun in her early 30s. And it was just great hearing her, her story. And the day before I interviewed her, I interviewed her on Friday. The day before she had given, you know, a nice talk and it dovetailed really beautifully into Eucharistic adoration. As I mentioned before, we were adoring our Lord in one of the areas in the conference center that was set up as a chapel. But all the talks took place like in the main room where you know all 8,000 people could sit. It was also the same place where Mass was set every morning. And after her talk, we were greeted by our Lord in the Eucharist. And, you know, she just, you know, she set it up so beautifully. And the lights dimmed, and you could hear the bells ringing, and you know everybody turned back, and there was a Eucharistic procession with one of the priests um, holding the monstrance with our Lord and the Eucharist inside, blessing everybody as they came by, and put our Lord up there on the altar for us all to adore Him. And I mean, the it was just palpable, and I could, and I could even hear some people getting very emotional about it because you know sister bethany madonna reminded us in her her talk you know how god is our father you know that's one of the divine persons god is our father and you know he loves us and wants us to come to him and of course god the father wants us to come to his son our lord jesus and what better way to do it with you know all these thousands of young people all worshiping our lord right there and as I said, she set it up beautifully, and it was great to experience that. That was that was another highlight of the entire event. But I, I want to turn it over to Sister Bethany now. Uh, this is our talk that we had, and just a heads up, you know, she's with the Sisters of Life, and she's going to explain a little bit about what that is. It's it's very her order of her, her community is very involved in the pro life movement, and it's actually one of their vows and I'll let her explain now but uh, I hope that anybody that is considering vocations or wants to hear the perspective of a young millennial 
woman who's given up all the secular pleasure of the world to dedicate herself to our Lord, and you want to figure out why she did that, you're going to want to listen to this interview. So without further ado, here is my interview with Sister Bethany Madonna here on Ask a Catholic Dude. Here today with me, Sister Bethany Madonna of the Sisters of Life. Uh, thank you so much, Sister Bethany, for taking the time uh, to talk to me today. Yeah, Nick, it's a joy. Thank you. You gave an excellent talk yesterday. It was very, uh, very moving. But for people that are not familiar uh, with your story, could you maybe tell us a little bit about your journey into your vocation? Like, how did you go from being just you know regular Catholic to the vocations <laughs> director of your order? Uh, you know. Growing up, I uh, always thought I would be married and have a huge family, like the Catholic dream. You know, marry your own St. Joseph and have your kids all named after saints. You know, Peter, James, John, Paul, Philip, Bartholomew, Linus. Yeah, not that I thought a lot about it, but I did have my wedding planned by the age of five. So um, it was in high school uh, and a Eucharistic retreat uh, where I was in front of the Blessed Sacrament and my youth minister had said, have you ever asked Jesus what his plan for you was? And I thought, I felt so bad for all the other kids who didn't know, you know? And so uh, I had courage the first time to think, is this not what you desire for me? You know, could you want something else? And I asked a dangerous question. I said, Lord, how did you make my heart to love? What do you want for my life? You know, and yeah, I felt this invitation of consider being mine, you know, and it was very powerful. And uh, I, I treasured it, uh, but had such an attraction to marriage, you know, and desire for it that I did. I dated and uh, went to college. And there was a certain point where it became very clear to me that the Lord was asking me to take uh, a time to be single, you know, and to listen to him. So uh, I studied abroad. And I uh, thought, if I have to be single, I'm going to do this right. You know, I'm going somewhere <laughs> romantic and beautiful. I'm going to Italy. Mm. And uh, I got to the program there with my secular liberal college. And uh, they pulled all the women aside immediately and said, we, we owe you an apology. Um, we overbooked your dorms and do not have a place for you to stay with the other young men. You'll be staying in a convent, the ladies of this, the program. This, this is was not a, a Catholic house. No. It was the <laughs> University of Central Florida secular liberal college the girls I'm with are not Catholic so they are now in a complete panic that their study abroad experience has been destroyed and then some, we had a nine o'clock curfew um, we were staying with sisters and I had to laugh because I just felt like this is all my fault you know like don't you see what's happening here the Lord has has um, put me in a convent and um, it was really beautiful how the Lord really cast out my fears because the two fears in discerning a religious vocation I just felt like I had this deep desire for, you know, a passionate, forever, romantic, you know, life-giving love. Um, and I had this deep, deep, like, uh, unshakable desire for motherhood to have, to uh, love in that total uh, way, to have those entrusted to my care, to be able to nurture and uh, raise them in the faith. And those are two fears that the Lord was actually going to take that away from me or leave me unfulfilled or ask it as a sacrifice on, you know, the altar, you know, and um, I brought those fears to him and lots of tearful holy hours and conversations with priests and, you know, the support of uh, really faithful friends. And yeah, I felt the Lord answer that in two ways. He said, uh, 
will you love me with this love that you've been saving for a husband? You know, would you love me with it? And would you let me love you as a spouse? Uh, I'll never hurt you. I'll never leave you. And that was overwhelming. Um, but the still I, I really wrestled with the motherhood I was like wow spiritual maternity like who made that up like it just seemed like such a consolation prize or something I just couldn't believe it was real and I felt the Lord say um, would you be willing would you love every child as if it were your own of flesh and blood would you be willing to love in, in that uh, expansive way yeah it's a sacrifice but um, I will satisfy uh, beyond what you you've dreamt for yourself here so uh, with that, I really, I was able to uh, respond with a full yes and uh, haven't looked back. Wow, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> no, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, and, and it's actually uh, brings me to what my, my sister-in-law, actually, this question actually comes from her because um, you talked about, you know, satisfying that desire for motherhood. Mm. And my sister-in-law told me that if she hadn't become a wife and mother, uh, she would have seriously thought about the sisters of life specifically. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she and she yeah. tells me that she feels that uh, she feels that in every woman there's there lies that des- somewhere that desire to be a mother. Yeah. And how has that desire that you were talking about how has it been satisfied and fulfilled in your religious life? Mm-hmm. I think one of the greatest gifts and unforeseen privileges I think is the title sister actually because people. Um, approach and they call you this name that is a family but when someone approaches a sister they really are a desires of a mother's love so i think for me just being able to be recognized and approached by being a witness you know to the church and kind of sharing in that gift of being able to respond and apologize and extend love and invitation on behalf of the church that's been a treasure. Um, and then just the spiritual maternity of my religious community, the Sisters of Life, to really be able to love with a maternal love uh, those whom, whom the Lord has entrusted to our care. Right. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and now the order that you specifically belong to is quite unique, uh, the Sisters of Life, and you know, known for being unashamedly pro-life, and I, it's awesome. Uh, I'm just curious, what kind of pro-life, what kind of pro-life outreach do you guys do, uh, and what makes your community different from other communities, you know, substantially? Mm-hmm. Uh, Sisters of Life uh, vow our charism. A charism is the gift that the Holy Spirit has entrusted to a religious community, and we vow it. We take the three traditional vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, but we take a fourth to protect and enhance the sacredness of human life. And being a contemplative, active religious community, our first work and our first uh, really privilege is contemplative prayer. So we love, adore, receive Jesus and make room for him and meditate on his word uh, in our contemplative prayer life and from that um, pours out uh, the love and light and energy to be able to serve those who are uh, pregnant and in crisis. We have several different apostolates so the charism of life is given expression in a myriad of ways but we serve women who are pregnant and vulnerable to abortion. We have a house in Manhattan where we invite women who are pregnant to live with us in the convent uh, during their pregnancy and for a time after. We have a retreat center in Stamford, Connecticut where we host weekend retreats uh, almost every weekend to be able to allow people to experience the new life that the Lord won for us in his grace. 
we accompany college students in Denver, Colorado, and it's called spiritual accompaniment. Our sisters are walking with women on those campuses to really allow them to experience their great dignity and to learn how to pray and to uh, really live in their identity as daughters. And we have an apostolate called our Hope and Healing Mission, um, which is really precious, and it's reaching out to men and women who are suffering because of abortion. Uh, abortion is uh, such a deceiver of the heart, and uh, it makes false promises, and then wants you a cave, uh, really you're turned on, and you have this experience of being unlovable, unforgivable, um, irreparable. And, Basically, Jesus has raised up a religious community uh, to uh, be a witness, a sign of his arms of mercy, you know, to welcome home, you know, that you are never too far. Uh, he's seeking you out. He uh, so desires new life to just roll away the stone and call you from that tomb and to grant you uh, the gift of his mercy in its fullness. Yeah. Very true, and um, I'm curious now that I mean that I, I had no idea that there was so much you do, and that's that's amazing. Um, is there a uh, a way to help? Uh, you know, on, on our side, is there a way to help these women? Is there maybe uh, a specific charity something you would recommend, or maybe even to, to you guys directly uh, that that listeners can maybe you know help out in some small way? I have so many thoughts on that. I, I would think the first is prayer. Uh, really to be praying. I feel like we get to be on the front row uh, of the, the rolling out of the red carpet for these women, and it's a response of your prayers. Uh, when people pray and a woman mixes up the directions to the abortion clinic in our convent and shows up at our convent instead of her appointment, it's like, where did that grace come from? Somebody prayed, you know, somebody prayed for her, and the Lord spared her, and it's really precious to watch that, or a woman you know, 60 years after abortion in her 80s, uh, recognizes I, I'm not going to go another day without going to confession. Like, where does that grace come from? So thank you for your prayers, first and foremost. Secondly, we have uh, co-workers of life. So men and women who have come forward and said, um, I desire to partner with you. I desire to be a collaborator with you and to serve women who are pregnant uh, and vulnerable in any capacity that I can, whether that be prayer or practicals or um, being able to offer their services or their professionalism or hire the women that we serve or donate sky miles or whatever it is whatever gift there is to give and then i would say look for how you can do it locally so many pregnancy care centers are um really they're they're the ones um with their hands dirty you know they're the ones reaching out they're the ones who are in the greatest need so if you have pregnancy care centers volunteering your time or uh, donations or seeing what the need is locally, I think would be also another gift you could give. Okay, well, that's awesome. That's a great, uh, great thing we can do. Um, and then switching gears a little bit, um, last night I really, like I said, I really enjoyed your talk and I thought, I think a lot of people got a lot out of it. Um, and I noticed one thing that you kept making mention of when talking about God. Mm. You often, and there's nothing wrong with it, of course, but often we focus on our Lord Jesus or on how the Holy Spirit works in our life. But you were really calling to mind the third divine person, the Father. And I feel like it's rare to hear that sometimes where we really talk about God as our Father. We talk about our, that specific divine person. What kind of role does he specifically play, our Heavenly Father, mm. in, our, in our lives? Wow. I mean, the Father is the one who sent his Son, the one who gave us the Holy Spirit. The Father is the one who, um, he's the Creator. He created us in the Son's image and likeness by the power of the Holy Spirit, but the Father is the 
one who has um, brought us into life and breathed this share in his very being. <laughs> the Father is madly in love with us. And I love to think about how when the angels fell, God didn't send his son to become an angel. <laughs> but when we fell, the Father could not bear to be separated from us. And this whole plan of salvation that has unfolded is all uh, at the the behest of the Father, you know, his desire for us and his longing. He knows how he created us for intimacy and for communion with him and how we are restless and really miserable and uh, without that, without being able to be in that intimacy. And so he so longs to be in relationship with us that he sent a son. I love that Jesus is called the Word. He is the Word of the Father. Everything that he spoke was the Father's. I mean, when you read the Gospel under, with the lens of the Father, especially John's Gospel, those Last Supper discourses, I mean, Jesus, it was like the Father was like dripping from his lips. He couldn't say it enough. You know, what happened in the garden, that distrust that, wow, maybe the Father isn't good. Maybe he withholds from me, you know, that, that fall that happened because of distrust. Jesus so wanted us to know how trustworthy he is. He so wanted to reestablish what had been ruptured, um, and he did, and he has brought us back into this communion where we can claim being adopted sons and daughters, having been chosen by the Father, receiving the status that makes us co-heirs with Jesus of the kingdom, you know, reinstated. The Father is everything. <laughs> and Jesus, Jesus said, everyone must know that I love the Father. I mean, over and over again. Yeah, and the Holy Spirit is the love between the Father and the Son. So even having the Holy Spirit within our hearts crying, Abba, Father, you know, that's where we're destined to return, you know, to be in that communion with the Trinity. Right, right. Um, and you know what, I'm just glad that there are so uh, many students and missionaries, they got to hear all that here. And there's, there's so many uh, of them here, both men and women, are still trying to figure out their vocation. Uh, this is my last question for you. I'm just curious to know what advice you would give them as they discern which direction to go, uh, you know, religious life or single, married, what have you. What, what can you say to them, these young people? I would say discernment starts with a solid prayer life. I would say 20 minutes a day, <laughs> protected, quiet, alone with God. Because if you don't have a solid prayer life, discerning uh, becomes chaos. If you're, you can't hear, and then it gets very frustrating, and then there's a lot of tears, and it's already <laughs> a purifying experience without all of that. So establishing a solid prayer life, then you can hear. Then you get growing sensitivity to the movements and the motions. Uh, you know when Jesus is speaking a word. You know when the Father's granting this peace. You know when the Holy Spirit is impelling you to move. So I would say it's beginning with a solid prayer life. And then if the Lord is putting... Um, religious life on your heart, the priesthood on your heart, to be able to reach out to those who've been called to that vocation and to ask questions or to um, be able to share your story and to allow them to confirm that grace, you know, and to encourage you in the next steps. Or if you're called to marriage, to be not afraid to meet couples that are living vibrant, faithful marriages who are engaged in it, um, to be able to recognize like what is this vocation and how can I ready my heart to, to receive the gift that it is and to make the gift of myself? That's really great. Well, thank you for, for those words, uh, sister, and thank you for sitting down. With yeah, me. so grateful, Nick. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. God bless you.